We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded, ancestral, and occupied traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Nation, the people of the three fires known as Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi Nations. And furthermore, we thank the Chippewa of Saugeen and the Chippewa of Nawash, now known as the Saugeen Ojibwe Nation, who are the traditional keepers of this land. In some parts of Canada, treaties were signed with First Nations that gave incoming settlers rights to much of the land, while in other areas, few or no treaties were signed. Unceded land was never given or legally signed away to Britain or Canada. It was stolen and continues to be occupied and governed by settlers today. As we live, work, surf, and play, we say mahalo to the Métis, Inuit, and Indigenous peoples of Turtle Island and from around the world who have stewarded these lands and sacred surf spots for thousands of years. We recognize their amazing resistance, resilience, and strength in the face of ongoing dispossession, colonial violence, and injustice. In particular, we wish for justice to be brought for the murdered and missing Indigenous children and victims of Canada's residential school system. We believe that for true healing and harmony to occur, we must end the cycle of oppression while working together as we move forward in truth and reconciliation. We can be better. We can do better. Welcome to Permastoke. I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. In this podcast, we talk to your favorite surfers and stand-up paddleboarders from across the Great Lakes, Canada, the U.S., and beyond. We take a peek into their lives and find out what it means to be stoked. Is it a natural state of euphoria, elation, a relentless commitment? I also talk to other permastoked individuals with ties to surf culture, such as artists, entrepreneurs, environmentalists, filmmakers, musicians, and much more. Join us each week in learning from these field experts and enthusiasts, while also being inspired by their undying passion, insights, and rad tales. Permastoked is presented by Freshwater Surf Goods, your surf brand devoted to spreading the stoke across the unsalted seas and cultivating pride amongst the surf community. We do this by providing products and apparel that celebrate the awesomeness of both Great Lakes and Canadian surf culture. Stand out in the tribe by rocking our gear today. But hey, don't just stand around on the beach looking cool. Check out our Stoke Academy and try surfing or stand up paddleboarding. Get away to Ontario's magnificent Bruce Peninsula, where we offer Paddle Canada certified basic and advanced sub courses private lessons, tours, subsurfing, and even beginner surfing lessons. Visit www.freshwatersurfgoods.com to sign up for your freshwater fantasy. In this episode, I chat with art business consultant and wife of artist Drew Brophy, best known for his lost surfboard designs in the 1990s, Maria Brophy. Maria's driving force is to help empower people to take action to create a life they want. 
In the late 1990s, she decided what kind of life she wanted to live. She wanted to travel most of the year and to work for herself in a creative business. It took a few years, but eventually she arranged her life in that way. You could say that she lives a dream lifestyle, traveling the world while running a gallery space in San Clemente, California, and selling art for a living. But she does work very hard for it all. She has dedicated the last 20 years to developing strategies to sell the artwork of her surfer husband, Drew Brophy. After thousands of hours of study, research, and hands-on experience, she has become an expert on art licensing, deal-making, and selling art especially surf art. She learned how to grow Drew's art sales beyond multiple six figures every year since the late 1990s, all while traveling two to three months a year and sometimes more than that. She even started writing a blog in 2009 to help other artists along the way and then started sharing information in books. Amazon's best-selling book, Art, Money, and Success, she also co-authored How to Draw with Drew Brophy, published by Walter Foster, and finally, she co-authored Painting Surfboards, Chasing Waves. This episode was recorded on February 24th, 2021 and may contain coarse language that could be deemed offensive. Listener discretion is advised. Maria Brophy, welcome to the Permastoked Podcast, Canada's surfing podcast. How are you today? I'm Awesome and really stoked and flattered that you wanted to talk to me today. Thanks. Absolutely. It's nice to virtually be in California as I'm looking out my own window watching the snowfall. Well, I don't want to rub it in, but I will. It's pretty nice and sunny out today. Nice. <laughs> but with that access, though, with all this coronavirus stuff, are you guys? business as usual? Are you surfing and stuff? Or is the, what's the beach situation like there? Our beaches are like nothing ever happened other than we have more people on our beaches than oh, wow. we normally do because we're in San Clemente, California, which is an amazing surfing town on every level. Um, the, the first one being the surf is world-class, especially because we have lowers here and we have cottons. And then even, you know, like San Clemente Pier, the waves can get really good there. Um, but we are, we're South Orange County and in South Orange County, uh, things are kind of relaxed here compared to mm. LA, which is North of us, yep. San Diego, which is South of us. It's stricter in LA and San Diego County. So everybody just comes here. So you're kind of this, yeah, sort of in-between gray zone. People don't know exactly what's going on. Yeah. Normally, I've heard you on several other podcasts before, and they're usually uh, art-related podcasts. What I'm looking forward to today is that we sort of, of course, we're going to go into the art business, but I'm also excited that we're outside of that a little bit. We don't, we're not confined by the art rules. We can explore surfing and some other topics as well so um and in the past I, on the podcast i've seen you on they always say maria brophy tell us a little bit about yourself and i'm gonna say i think that that's showing they didn't necessarily do their homework so i'm gonna give you an unrehearsed uh 
intro biography, and of course, you can fill in the blanks after. Okay. How does that sound? Love it. Okay. Love it. Right on. Okay, permastoked audience, freshies, we are sitting here talking with Maria Brophy, author of Art, Money, and Success. She is a, I just learned the term, San Clementine, residing from San Clemente, California. And she is a art seller or dealer, if you will, um, but, but more so business and art selling guru, married to the Drew Brophy, the man who brought color to surfboards, um, mother of two. You're doing great. Not bad. Okay. <laughs> I, I'll let you fill in the blanks. All right. I'll fill in just a couple little blanks. Yeah. One that might be of interest to the permastoked audience because I think one of the most interesting things and the thing I'm so grateful for in my life is that Drew and I decided 20 something years ago that we were going to create a business and a life that allowed us to travel the world surfing and doing whatever we want, adventuring and not being tied to a nine to five or being tied to anything other than what we want to be tied to. And that is kind of the song that I've been singing for over 20 years, because prior to that life that I created, I was a nine to fiver for a really long time. And I was kind of living the life other people wanted me to live. And, um, and I only dreamed about this, you know, traveling life and surfers, you know, surfers love to, well, they not only love to surf, but they love to surf different spots. And that requires you to travel. And some of those spots are on the other side of the globe. So you need more than a few days, you know, you need a few weeks or months. And um, I really believe that even if you are a nine to fiver, there are ways to, to disappear for a month or two and go surf and explore. And, um, and I, and I've been trying to inspire people to do that for a long time. You are absolutely speaking my language. And of course, you know, I followed you and Drew for a while. So, so for me, let me back up back to that bio for a second. So I came in as a Drew Brophy fan, probably discovered Drew in the late nineties, early two thousands, most likely when I was looking for artwork for either a tattoo or a custom board. Somehow came across Drew, been a big fan ever since. But it was last year during COVID, I got laid off work and my wife had bought me a Posca paint party kit. So I started joining you guys for the Posca paint parties last year in March. And that was absolutely incredible. And what was cool about that was it was also right when I got laid off is when I thought, okay, I'm, this is an opportunity to start working on my own things more. And I'd always had this dream of creating my own surf brand um, based around the Great Lakes, which is where I started surfing. But at the time I was still living in Vancouver, but I was manifesting all this inspirational information and doing yoga and different things. So it all kind of came together and I ended up moving back to Ontario, getting a job, all this stuff. But my original intention was to create a Great Lakes surfing brand. But like I've heard you guys talk a lot about is pivoting, 
And so what happened was I came out with this idea that I'm going to create a surfing podcast to use as a marketing tool to advertise my brand. But I have gotten a lot of podcast followers and I have really fallen in love with the process of meeting people, interviewing them, editing it, like the entire thing. And so a lot of the the stuff I picked up from your book, because I'm not an artist per se, but I did read your book and I found so much of it really applicable. And so what you're talking about right now is where I want to be. As long as I have to report to somebody else, I just don't feel free. And that's not a feeling I like. I don't like that this feeling that someone could tell me, oh, no, that vacation isn't approved. You can't like it. It feels like it's just taking every thread of my manliness away, I would say. But maybe it's just humanness, you know, just having that control looming over me. I cannot stand it. Yeah, I like to be free and I do not like to be told what to do. And if you tell Mm -hmm. me what to do, most likely I'm going to do the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. no, I I can relate to that. I wonder, I know that there's a lot of um, healthcare jobs where you can take them for periods of time. Like, Mm. I don't know if that's something you can do with your job, but it's worth looking into. Yeah. It's worth looking into. I really believe that whatever it is you want to do, if you're crystal clear on what you want to do, you will make it happen. There is a way to do it. There's yeah. a way to make it happen. Um, you know, you can always work things out with your employer or you can do if you're, you know, you're an expert at you work in mental health, whatever you do with mental health. I mean, it's possible you could not be an employee anymore and just do it on a contractual basis, Mm. on a consulting basis. I mean, I think there's always a way to do what you want to do or just take a leave of absence. Like they do that in Europe all the time. Europeans always like take a year off. They go on sabbatical and they go travel Mm. for a year and then they come back and go back to work. I've met people who take a lot of pride in never taking a day off. And they've said, oh, I never took a day off last year. And I'm thinking, that sounds like a sucky life. Like you work every day of the year. Like, no, that's not what at the end of my life. And I'm sitting there thinking back, I'm not going to be remembering nine to five. At least I hope I'm going to be thinking about all the great people and all the great experiences I had. Well, those people that say that, that say I never took a day off when they're on their deathbed. They are not going to be wishing that they had worked more. They're going to be wishing that they had lived more and it'll be too late. I'm almost 40. And so I'm looking at the rest of my life and it's like, what do you really want to be doing? So anyway, I say thank you to you guys because you've actually been a big inspiration over this past year as I've been you know, doing the paint parties, but also reading your book. And I'm not an artist per se, um, although I did paint this, Tosca paint pens. This is my most recent. Whoa, that is awesome. Yeah, so this wow. is like my, my Black Lives Matter sort of uh, Jim Phillips. Jim Phillips inspiration inspired. in the middle there. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's killer. It's not bad, eh? Yeah. You are an artist. What are you talking about? Thank you. 
it's just, you know, that whole like Drew Brophy signature shading thing. I know you guys have a million tutorials on it, but that's always the. The blending. Yeah. The blending is yeah. practice. Like anything just takes practice. You'll get good at it. The more you do it. So now you're around so much beautiful art all the time. What is your artistic experience? Do you dabble in the paints or do you just watch? I don't have the, I don't do a lot of painting. Okay. I have like, sometimes I'll help Drew with murals mm. and then I always have him give me like the easiest stuff to do. Like, okay. you know, paint all this area blue, <laughs> you know? Okay. Um, but uh, my art is, my art is figuring out how to make things happen. And that truly is my art. And my art is also writing. I've written five books. The, the book you've read, Art, Money, Success, that's on Amazon. And that's been my bestseller. I wrote that, um, that, that released a few years ago. I've written other books, but that is really what I love to do. I love to write. I love to speak. Okay. I love to teach and guide people. And I think um, I help people with mental health too, because uh, everybody's in agony over something, some, some at high levels and some at low levels, but literally every single person listening to this right now is hurting over something or, yeah. and, and, and it doesn't have to be like the kind of hurt that makes you cry. It could be the kind of hurt that makes you angry or, um, makes you want to numb out every night and drink or smoke or just watch TV or porn or whatever, whatever people numb out to. But, you know, we, we all are, we all have something we're trying to overcome or we need to overcome and we don't even know we need to overcome it to help us be the person we really want to be and live the life we really want to live. And here you are, you're almost 40. And now you're asking yourself all these questions like, you know, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? I don't want to be tied down to an employer. I, I want to do the things I love. I want to surf. I want to travel. And, you know, the window of opportunity, especially as a surfer, um, yeah, you can surf till you're 90. But when you hit your 50s and 60s, your surfing is very different than it is when you're in your 20s, 30s and 40s. So you really do have a window of opportunity there that you want to jump into. You know, it's good to take a look at your life and say, okay, what is it that I really want to be doing? Why am I not doing it? Oh, because I have a job. Okay. Well, why am I tolerating this job stopping me from doing it? Hmm. Why don't I figure out how to keep the job and do it or work around the job and do it or get an entirely new job or a new scenario and do what I really want to do. Yeah. And um, I help people with that a lot. Um, just the stuff that I like to write, the stuff that I teach, I, most of it's free. Some of it's in my books. Um, and really, I think that's all like um, ties in with your mental health, because if you're not doing what you really want to be doing, you're not mentally healthy. Absolutely. What's the trick when you know what is your true purpose? What do you do with that? And even if you're not sure what your true purpose is, okay. but you know what you want to be doing, right? You know what you want to be doing. You know you want to, well, we'll just use what, you know, uh, the idea of being tied down, but you don't want to be. 
Mm-hmm. You want to be free to do what you want to do, whatever yes. that is. But you need the, that green. You don't need as much as you think you do. Okay. That's a big misconception. All right. Number one, you need way less money than you think you do. But let's say you don't even have the money that you need, even if it's less than you think, right? There are ways to make things happen. You First, you have to be open to the possibility. That's number one. So if you say to yourself, I'm never going to be able to afford that. Well, guess what? You just put a brick wall up and you will never afford it. But if you say to yourself, okay, I'd love to go to the Mentawise and surf. That's my big dream. But gosh, let's see, that's expensive. That is an expensive trip. It's a long flight. Places you stay are not cheap. But damn, I want to surf macaronis. And I think that's the name of the spot there, macaronis. I don't know. Yeah. Or spaghettis or something with pasta. (laughs) Something that has to do with pasta. Anyway, um, you know, you want to surf there. And so you have a job and you don't have that much money. But if you know you're going to figure it out, if you say to yourself, okay, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. That's that's the first step, right? Because now you've opened, you've, you've, instead of building a brick wall, you've built the beginning of a bridge the beginning of a bridge. Now, next thing you know, you're telling people at work, God, you know, I'm really, this is my dream, you know, to go spend a couple of weeks in the mentalize. And you figure out that maybe you can take a few weeks off of work, even, even if it's the busy season, you figure out, and then you're like, well, where do I get the money for it? Well, then you start figuring out how to get the money for it. Maybe it means you don't get a new car that year or a new used car, or you drive your old car for an extra year or two. I mean, that's how Drew and I have always done it. We've, and and the other thing is you don't put things in your life that build more brick walls between you and your dream. So for example, if you wanna have the freedom to travel anytime you want, anywhere you want, right? And you, and it's surfing. So surfing is going to take you to a lot of other countries and it's a lot, you know, you, you're going to do spend a lot more time traveling. Don't buy a puppy because a puppy <laughs> okay. is going to keep you from traveling. It just adds another complication, right? Yeah. Just as an example. And if money's an issue, don't sign up for something that's going to cost you so much money every month for the next four years. Um, You know, it's once you make a decision that you're going to do something, then every choice you make is either going to get you closer to that dream or further from that dream. I remember in 2009, now remember the crash of 2008 and Drew and I having our own business, being in the art business, we got hit pretty hard. Mm -hmm. And so uh, 2009, we were, you know, we didn't have much money. And my mother owed me, she actually owed me a lot of money because for years I had helped her out and she, she owed me lots of money. Well, she, but she could never pay me back. And I didn't think I'd ever see that money again, but Anyway, my mother sold her house. And so now she had all this cash. 
And she said, Maria, I'm going to send you $12,000 out of the money I owe you. And I was like, yes, yay. And my car was pretty old. I had a, I had an old Toyota 4Runner. And I told Jerry, I said, my mom's sending us 12 grand. I can get a new car. And we start looking at cars and, and then I'm like, mm, the more I'm looking at these cars, okay, I can put 12,000 down, but I'm still going to have car payments. And then car insurance on a brand new car is like double what it is on my old car. I looked at Drew and I said, maybe we should go to New Zealand instead. And that was it. Like we took that 12 grand and we went to New Zealand for a month. We went to Samoa for a couple of weeks. We had this amazing surfing adventure. And, you know, so it's the choices you make. Like somebody else might say, yeah, New Zealand sounds good but I really want a new car. So it's, what do you really want? Just say yes to what you really want, you know? Knowing what you want. For me, a year ago, I wasn't doing this podcast. I essentially had no connections in the surf industry. And now I look at it only six months later, I've interviewed X number of pro surfers and made friends with them. I got Maria Brophy on my show. I mean, these are opportunities that weren't there a year ago. So I will say the power of knowing what I want and just actually doing it. I was speaking with someone else the other day about this. The problem is, it's just like, well, what took you so long? Why do we hesitate? Why do we doubt ourselves? Those are all just more of those barriers you were mentioning. Because we have too many people telling us what to do. Mm. The TV, the radio, parents, your bosses, your co-workers, your friends, every crazy, stupid person on Facebook and Instagram. And and it it takes a strong mind to think critically for yourself. Mm. And if you don't have a strong mind, you can develop it by exercising your critical thinking for yourself like you exercise a muscle, you have to toughen up and not worry about what other people think. Um, you know, back when I had, I work, I worked in the insurance industry mm-hmm. for a long time and it was a nine to five job and I got paid really well. And that's one of the reasons I stayed there for a long time. Yeah. It was really hard to leave that job. I never felt like I fit in with the people there because I, because I'm such a free spirit and I was always, I mean, most of the people I worked with didn't like me. Um, and it's not because I'm not a nice person because I'm an awesome person. I'm kind to people. It's be, I really think it's because I just thought so differently from everybody else. Mm. I was like a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. And in nine, in, in the late nineties, I, I decided I was going to take a six-month trip around the world. And I knew that I wouldn't be able to get time off of work. And I didn't have that much money, but I did have a lot of, little bit of money in, the bank, uh, in savings. And so I decided, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to do this. And when I cu- I'll quit my job. And when I come back, I'll get another job. I've always been able to get jobs. I'll just get another job. No big deal. I'll put my stuff in storage and travel the world. So I went into my boss and I said, look, I'm going to quit my job. I'm just giving you notice. And he's like, what? Why are you quitting? And I said, because I'm going to travel around the world. 
And um, it's something I've been wanting to do for years and I'm finally going to do yeah. it. And he said, um, look, I don't want you to quit because it'll take me six months to hire a new person or to, to train a new person. He said, why don't you shorten your trip by a couple months and I'll hold your job open for you. Wow. And I, I said, yeah, I mean, that was a great deal because that meant yeah. I could keep my apartment. I could keep my car because I had a roommate. So um, it made everything way easier. It was four months off without pay, but it just made my life way easier. So I said, yes. But here's what happened with all my coworkers. They all hated me for it. Mm. They were angry at me. They even, a couple of them even yelled at me, like, who the hell do you think wow. you are taking off for four months when the rest of us have to work? I was actually shocked by their reaction because I thought, if anything, it would inspire them mm. to get off their butts and do something cool in their life. But And, and it did bother me but not enough for me to not do what I wanted to do. And that will happen in life. When you're going to do something really kick-ass, the people operating at a lower vibrational level mm -hmm. than you are going to get riled up. Mm -hmm. They're going to get pissed off. They're going to get jealous. They might get mean. And you have to be tough enough and firm enough in your own intentions, your own beliefs, and, and be committed to your own dreams to not let it bother you or throw you off your own course. I've had a few of those moments in my life, though, where you have such a strong conviction, like you were saying, that you're able to do what seemed wacky a week ago. You just believe in it so much. And when that feeling comes around, I've had that a few times. This last time for me, what really made life change was COVID. And I've had those instances where it's like, you know that you should make this change and you're resisting it, but then the universe finds a way to make you do it anyways. And that's what this whole COVID thing has been for me. If, I, I, if COVID hadn't happened, I wouldn't be sitting in this room right now in a new province closer to my family doing this podcast and everything else. COVID has done that to a lot of people. It's, it's been a terrible thing and a wonderful thing. And yeah. it's really been transformative, transformative for a lot of people, exactly like what happened to you. I just talked to a, a woman this morning, you know, I do consulting artists hire me to help them figure out their path. And this one woman I talked to, she lost her job due to COVID back in June and it's changed everything in her life in a good way. Yeah. In a good way. Um, when you were talking about those people yelling at you at your workplace, I've noticed that too, but people can't help but compare where they're at and think what your goals should be too. And I think that's part of it. Well, it's really important to surround yourself with people who share similar dreams, similar goals so you can be inspired by them, so you can learn from them. Um, and if you happen to be stuck in a workplace where people are operating from a totally different point of view, don't talk to them about the stuff that's important to you. Just keep it all business. True. Because 
they're not going to get it. And if anything, you know, you just don't need their negative energy pulling you down. Absolutely. So as we move forward here, I guess we can just summarize what Maria just said is it's okay to just recklessly quit your job. Everything everything will be fine. (laughs) No. Okay. Be wise, be smart, but follow, but follow your heart. Yeah. But I no, I know that's funny. I I usually (laughs) call people to quit their jobs. If I if I thought that they had what it took. I don't do that anymore because I I I think it's good to work your way out of your job. Uh, And I actually did that with my job. I didn't just quit cold turkey. What I first thing I did was I went to my boss and said, look, I want to cut back on my hours by 20% and get a pay cut for 20, 20% pay cut, 20% less hours. And um, I gradually did it that way because uh, I was just, I, I wasn't ready to make the leap. And then finally I made the leap like six or eight months later. Mm. But um, yeah, you know, just, just believing, look, if you believe in the possibility then you're going to figure out a way to do it. And there's always a way to do things like when, what, okay. So here's a great example. When I quit my job and then I started working with Drew full time. Now we, I left my job making a lot of money, didn't have much in the bank. And I started with zero with Drew because Drew was, Drew was making money as an artist, but not enough to pay me yet. Mm-hmm. So we started with zero and I had to figure out how to increase his art sales to pay me, which we did, but it took, took time to get there. And so after I quit my job and then I started like having a little mini freak out, like, Oh shit, this, this is for real now. (laughs) And Drew's like, Hey, now that you don't have a job, let's go to Australia for a month. And I was like, what are you crazy? He goes, Mario, why do you think you quit your job? So we could do this. Let's go. So this is where you get really creative. So, and this was before social media. I don't think we had, no Facebook hadn't been invented yet. Wow. Trying to remember was Facebook around in 2004. That is right around when it came out. I don't know, but yeah. anyway, I, I thought, okay, so plane tickets to Australia are kind of pricey. There was three of us. Our, our little boy was four at the time and um, we didn't really have that much money. So I had to get really creative. And this is my art, right? Like, okay, how do we make money while we're there? Well, there's t- Drew's known as a surfboard artist. There's tons of surfboards in Australia. Um, so I started connecting with surfboard makers and place like in Byron Bay, there's a place called there's a surf shop called uh, mad dog surf shop so we connected with mad dog surf shop we connected with um you know a number of surf shops throughout the east coast of australia and um pre-connected with them and i don't even remember how i tracked these people down because there wasn't social media back then it's so much easier now yeah but i did i managed to get people's emails and i was emailing back and forth with people and we arranged things so we figured it out, we get to Australia and then some really awesome things started happening after we got there. So Drew started painting for Mad Dog Surf Shop 
And the original plan was he was just going to paint a couple surfboards, make a little bit of money, right? But they liked him so much, they connected that they wanted him to stay a whole week. They gave us a house, a giant house, all to ourselves to stay in, right in Byron Bay, Australia, which is like my favorite spot in the world. Okay. Surf is amazing. The food's amazing. The people are cool. Beautiful people walking around like, all yoga, spiritual, even back then. Anyway, um, and then we somehow connected with Mark Richards, who's like the godfather of surf in Australia, you know, the most famous surfing multiple champion. And he ended up hiring Drew to paint boards for him. And then he hosted us for dinner at his house. And then next thing you know, he says to us, hey, I happen to have a vacation home nobody's using for the next week in Angari good surf there. You guys can have it for a week. And so these things kept happening to us. And so next thing you know, not only are we making money, but everything's free and, and we're having a blast. So it's like when you start to step in, you just have to start stepping into what you want and the road and the path opens up for you. Okay. So when you started, you know, really, investing into this mindset with drew things are just gonna work out they're just gonna reveal themselves like drew had no worry about how you're gonna afford this or pay for that and the the seas parted if you will wow and it always does okay trust me we've had a lot of hardships okay always we always bounce back and 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 hardships are a part of life I told my nine, my son's, our son is 19 now. And I just told him that the other day, cause he was talking about, you know, how something was really making him bummed out and he was really bummed out about something. And I said, you know, life is like this half your life, half of the time you're going to be really happy. The other half of your time, you're not going to be happy. It's all temporary. So that's just life. Well said. Hey, so, you know, we've been talking a lot about the business stuff. We might come back, but I want to hear some of the other stuff I haven't heard you talk about before. So what is your, what's your surfing regime like? How, how much surfing do you do and where do you like to go? And have you guys ever uh, surfed the Canadian shores before? Um, let's see. We, okay. Well, as far as my favorite places to surf, anywhere where the waves are playful. Okay. I like playful. And this is why Drew and I don't usually like, we never like to go the same places. Okay. Unless there's like a, he likes the neck snapping tubes. He likes to surf giant waves like Pipeline and like Puerto Escondido, where, I mean, you know, there's neck snapping tubes. And I like, to Mexico, where it's like playful and safe. And um, I like surfing uh, just gentle waves. So sorry, that's not it. That's probably not no, really that's good. For, your, for your listeners. But um, as far as Canada, we have been to Victoria, let's say. I'm trying to remember the name of the so spot. You, you've been on Vancouver Island. If we you were have in Victoria. Vancouver did you guys, Island. did you go to Tofino? That's the big surfing town there. Yes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Gosh, I'm sorry. I can't remember. It was so cold and there weren't any waves that day. 
So we didn't actually go surf and we uh, were bummed. But um, people who own a surf shop on Vancouver Island, and I can't remember the name of it right now, but they they actually flew us up there. Okay. And they had because they wanted Drew to paint one of those eagles in the city. Have you seen the eagles in the city? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, so they they paid for us to come up there. Um, so Drew would paint an eagle in the city, and then they did something with it. I think they they sponsored it and they sold it. I don't even know what they ended up. I was up gonna doing. say, is it somewhere? Because I haven't recognized his artwork in town anymore. It's somebody bought it. Yeah. I don't even remember what happened with it. This was a few years ago, but um, they took us to some popular surf spot, which now I can't remember. Um, but we we were only there for a week, and there weren't really any waves. So, uh, oh, um, that's too bad. Nice to be there, yeah. So, yeah, I'm thinking you were in Tofino, but there is another surf spot closer to Victoria where you were. So, did you guys drive a few hours from where you were? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, with a couple hours outside of the city. So it sounds like you went to Tofino. Were you like, was it all bush everywhere? Yeah. Forest? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Okay, yeah, that was it. So and some I, really big summer. old growth forest. and It was summertime. Okay. And I had to borrow a coat. Because uh. <laughs> I was freezing. <laughs> As you say, and what do you guys think about the, you would have had to worn at least in Tofino, at least a 4-3 uh, yeah. wetsuit. Yeah, definitely a 4-3. Yeah. Oh, you know where we just went surfing in November? Um, have you heard of the surf park, the BSR Park in Waco, Texas? Yeah, this is where the Freak of the Peak happened or Stab High, it's called. Yeah, I know this place. Yeah. We went there um, just this past November. That place is amazing. Wow. Oh, my God. We fell in love. We fell in love. We're going to go back again this summer because it was cold in November. It was cold, and um, but it was still so amazing. Amazing. Just, well, it, there, there's something to be said about having perfect waves being heaved at you every three minutes. Oh. And, you know, just it was a hundred times more fun than we thought it would be. So as a Great Lakes surfer, that sounds so appealing because yeah. we do not have that consistency necessarily. But you talked about opportunities presenting themselves. And so for me, as a surf instructor and teach, teach stand-up paddleboarding, I really love those things. And Canada has three wave pools in the works. So those are those kind of things where I'm like, yeah, I never know that I could be, could be, have more instructing opportunities um, with things like that coming, right? And that would be much more in line with living the dream. I'd be okay going to work if there were waves there all day long. Yeah, that would be your dream job. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolute dream job. And you know, there's a lot of jobs at those that at those surf parks, other than working for the surf park, you could also like for a photographer. So when we were at Waco, there's a photographer there that just photographs people all day long and people want photos of themselves surfing. So this guy has an, he, he has an endless supply of clients every day. And um, what a great job that is. So, Hey, another more blanket style question. I'm just going to say the words, the paint shop, what happened to the paint shop? Best show ever. 
our TV show. Yeah, it was awesome. I think there's like six episodes on YouTube. Yeah. Most of those reality shows, I just skip through. But when you watch the paint shop, you get to see like Jerry Lopez and, you know, um, Mark Longnecker and these different things. I'm like, wow, I actually like this reality show. That was my dream. I dreamed up the paint shop years ago. Had no, like, this is a great example of like having a dream, having no freaking idea how you're going to do it. And I told Drew, I said, I want to, I want a TV show. And Drew's like, we're not doing that. Drew had no interest, but I was like a freight train. I wasn't taking no for an answer because I know that what we do is so interesting every week. It's different. We've got different clients, different projects, never boring. And the people that our clients, you know, are a variety of different kinds of people, professional surfers, companies, um, inventors. And so anyway, I had no idea how to do it. And I thought, well, maybe we'll just do like a little practice run. Um, Maybe we'll see how Drew does with somebody coming and filming him because Drew is very introverted he doesn't like having people around. I mean, if you met him, you would never know that about him. He mm. appears to be extroverted, but he's not. So I put him adding Craigslist for a videographer. Right. I thought, I'm just going to like step into this. And this guy came and he did a great job and he filmed Drew painting something and he posted it on YouTube. And I never told the guy I was looking for somebody to help us with a TV show because I... I just wanted to see how this person would work with us. I just didn't think he was the right guy. So I put another ad in Craigslist and the next guy calls me and we start talking. And that's when I said, you know, just to tell you the truth, I'm actually really looking to create a reality show. And this guy goes, no way. He goes, you know, I'm a huge fan of Drew's. That's why I answered this ad. He said, but I also work in TV in Hollywood. And I'm like, what? And he's a musician and he makes music for TV shows and he's worked as a director. I mean, I couldn't have gotten any luckier, right? And he loved the idea of putting this together. So we agreed to make, we, we decided to make six episodes and then sell it to a network. And that's how the paint shop was born. And um, we never did get it on a major network, but we did get it on local TV. So it was aired to millions and millions of people in California and Arizona. Um, Just never was able to get it bigger than that because when we met with some rather large networks, they all wanted to turn it into something freaking stupid. Uh. And we're like, no, we want to keep it real. We want it to be real. We don't want it to be stupid. We don't want it to be contrived. And they're like, they wanted me and Drew to fight on camera. And I'm like, no, that's, this show is not about that. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, that's why. And I would love to do it, do it again. So if, you know, if there's a network out there that wants to do it, I'd do it again. But I'll tell you, there's a lot of work involved. It's, It's. So you create the product first and then pitch it to networks it's you don't have a network backing you saying okay here's a wow okay that's what we did and we did get sponsors to pay us um so we had a lot of sponsors and that was one of the things i had to do because it costs money to make tv show 
Yeah. Even when you do it on the down and dirty, which is how we did it, you still have to pay your editor. And that's, that's, that's a big expense. You have to hire camera crew, which is a big expense. Those are the two biggest expenses. Um, Even on the cheap, you're looking at 10 grand plus per episode. And that's on the super down and dirty cheap, like, you know, um, so we got sponsors and I did manage to get money out of companies. We had like Guayaquil sponsored a few and keen footwear. And I got a really good vitamin company called mega food. So that was good. And we got a lot of good free product on top of the money mm-hmm. they gave us. And it was all products that we love. Yeah. That's sort of part of where I'm at now with this podcast is I've done a first season. It went well. I'm getting more and more listeners every day. And I want to get more. Um, But I'm also finding that this is taking up my entire life. Like I come home at night and this it's like job number two. And I'm hoping one day that job number two kind of squeezes job number one right out of the way. Your dream with it. If you could if I could wave my unicorn wand right now, what is your dream with your podcast? It would be to be doing this all the time, Uh, more international guests, still keep the Canadian angle, but also be talking to surfers from the U.S. and all around the world and just sort of keeping that Canadian element. But no, doing this podcast, being goofy, maybe a little bit of video content, trying out different things. That's really what I want to be doing. So now I'm at a place where I want to start pitching it to companies and looking for those sponsors. But it's interesting because I'm I'm also like, am I too small to come out and say, hi, here I am. This is what I want to do. Do I have to wait until I have this massive following before I do that? But in six months, I think it's pretty good. I've had over 5,000 listens with 24 shows. So that's over video and audio. So I'm hoping that I can get people to believe in me and invest in me so that I can get the show bigger um, without having to sort of get it there first and then look for all that exposure, I guess. Okay. So remember when I said earlier, you just start building the bridge, right? Okay. From here to where you want to be. So I would start building your bridge by starting with where you are right now. Don't wait till you're bigger. Find a company who makes products that are in alignment with your audience. And it doesn't have to be surf products. It could be a coffee product or a mushroom product or, uh, you know, like something to do with health or whatever. And start really small, $50 an episode. And, um, or, you know, yeah. And I mean, just start really small. Once you get one, one sponsor, even if it doesn't, the dollar amount doesn't matter Okay. in the beginning, right? While you're building your brand, just as long as they give you something. Okay. Um, And then you're, you're calling them your sponsor and your listeners don't need to know how much you're getting or what you're getting, or if all you're getting is free instant coffee with mushrooms in it or whatever. I don't know. Um, I like mushroom coffee. That's why I'm using that as an Wow, I've never heard of that. Okay. Um, Yeah, you know, you can buy like this 
powdered coffee with medicinal medicinal mushrooms. It's okay. not it's not the kind that get you stoned. It's like the kind that are good for you, like right lion's mane and stuff like that, cordyceps. Okay. Um, but you know, find a company that's making a product that and a consumable product is even better. Like that's why coffee's good or tea or uh, energy drink or whatever. Um, just just get your first sponsor, and it doesn't even matter if they pay you fifty bucks. Yeah. Just get that under your belt. Have them be present for a few episodes, and then them get another sponsor. Just just get started with it. All right, I like that advice. Don't wait, and that's what my gut's been telling me. Anyways, it's funny you're talking about finding sponsors that align with your values because I have had some interest already, and you'll never believe this. One was from a beer company. The other one was from a beef jerky company. I am vegetarian and I'm 10 years sober. I had to really like think about that. And at the end of the day, I was like, oh, it'd be easy to take this money. But like, let's say 10 years from now, things are going really good. And I have to look back and defend that. I don't want to look like a phony. So I might as well just from the get go, be true to that. And I, I respect that completely. Drew and I 100% operate that way. There are certain things that we feel very strongly about that we think aren't good for people. We're both kind of health nuts. Um, uh, I, all right, I'm the health nut, okay. way more than Drew is. But um, you know, there are certain things in the surf industry that they market to kids and kids mm. get hooked on it. Mm. And um, we've had companies that sell those products come to us and financially it would have been a good move but ethically we don't believe in it so we've said no and i always tell drew you know if we didn't have any morals or virtues we'd be rich by now yeah we said no to so many things because we don't believe in it or we think it's bad for people or bad for the environment um but i yeah you you got to do what's in alignment with who you are and then you can be excited about it too like you know, if you're if you have a sponsor that makes a product that you love, that's going to come across. You're going to be stoked about it. You're going to tell people to try it. You know. Thank you, Maria. I like that. That is kind of the answer I wanted. I I needed to hear from someone who's sort of been there, done that. I guess you could say. So in the paint shop, one of the later episodes, you guys paint a bunch of vans. So I have. So I when I was driving to Ontario in the summer, my 2003 Kia Rio broke down in British Columbia. I wasn't even out of the province yet and my vehicle broke down. So I was at this mechanic shop and I bought this 2009 uh, Ford E250 van and $5,000, one and done. And so, and I was like, wow, it felt like one of those really meant to be kind of things. Cause here I am moving back to Ontario with the intention of, you know, doing my surfing and, and teaching paddleboarding and all that. So now all of a sudden, without even asking for it, I have the van that can transport these boards everywhere. So now I'm at the point though, where I want to put some color on this thing and man, you guys have those vans all painted up. That's amazing. So that was me like, a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, I was talking to Surf City Graphics in Huntington Beach 
because I was oh, like, what would yeah. it take to get a Drew Brophy like rack? You know what I mean? So yeah. if you guys are looking for new business ideas, vehicle wraps, I would um, be in the neighborhood for that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they, I mean, we've, we've given people, uh, we've sold people the rights to use Drew's art on their wraps. A lot of them have been like, like one of them is a, um, a surf camp, like big, okay. one of those giant bands where you can fit like 50 surfboards in it. Um, and that was really cool. That was years ago. Another one was like a food truck up in Mavericks mm-hmm. area and, uh, and then a few individual people. But yeah, I mean, the art looks really good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you if you have any friends that are like graffiti artists, they can paint on that van. And it's actually cheaper to do it that way than to get a yeah. wrap. That's another uh, good, uh, good insight. Yeah, thank you. Hey, I got some funny questions for you here, though. So I was looking at pictures of Drew and different hairstyles and facial hairstyles. And I wanted to know from you, what is your preference? So the first picture I have is Drew Brophy, long hair, goatee, and very prominent sideburns. Ah, that picture is when, that picture was taken in the late 90s. It's a rough picture. He was way cuter than that photograph shows. Okay. So (laughs) same kind of era but no facial hair, but still the long hair and sideburns. The uh, the pointy sideburns, yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, then fast forward to today, you have short hair, handlebar mustache group. Scary mustache. <laughs> With- That's like trucker, like I'm coming in my tractor trailer for you. Type of yeah, thing. so he says that he wears that scary face hair to scare the kids in the water okay the does it work kids, but like the you know the 20 year old surfers that are like their parents didn't teach them manners out in the water so all he has to do is look at him with that scary face and you know look at them with that scary face and they'll like back off okay right on is that what he's rocking now or no yeah Okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's it is pretty scary looking. And I'll say, you know, I want to take a picture of you painting that, but you got to smile. And he looks really mean. He looks like he's got a really mean yeah. look on his face. And he's like, I am smiling. Mm. And I'm like, no, you're not. You look mean. Yeah, like if he was coming out of the water, you know, and just looking at you like this with his mouth under the water, yeah, that'd be really creepy. That would give me murder vibes for sure. Okay. Drew Brophy, short hair, no facial hair. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good picture right there. Um, okay. I, I'll tell you, I liked him. I liked it best when he had really long hair. Hold on, last one. You got to um, wait for the oh, last picture. One? Last one. Okay. This is Drew Brophy when he had a fro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take your choice. I, I I like the long hair that he had when I first met him. He had like long, thick hair and he never wore shoes and he was just, you know, so hardly ones. ever wore shirts. Um, 
always surfing, always in board shorts. Yeah. I like that the best, but then as he got older and he started balding, like that long hair look doesn't go with balding. So oh, okay. he had to go short. He had a good run. Those yeah, hairs had a good run. That's for sure. Um, so, I mean, I know you guys are kind of stuck right now with all this COVID stuff, but do you have any, what is your next dream surf trip? Oh man. So we, we, we actually might be going to Hawaii next week. Drew's turning 50 in a couple of weeks oh, okay. and we went to Hawaii. He likes pipelines, one of his favorite spots. And there's a lot of other spots on the North shore that he loves as well. He loves a lot of them. He used to live there. So he knows the area very well. And um, we were there for his 40th birthday. Today he wants to be there for his 50th. I don't know if we're going in or not. We're going to figure it out. Um, but there, you know, people are still traveling a lot. And so if we don't go there, we might go to Puerto, but the waves don't come up in Puerto until I think May or June. So um, maybe it'll be then. Yeah. Well, when I talk to Americans, yeah, it's a lot of you guys are telling me it's a business as usual, but. Uh... Well, I have a good friend that grew up in Peru and he oh, okay. lives in Canada. He lives in Montreal and he, Oh, Chris Dyer. Yeah. Yeah. He was on this show, by the way, I saw he you recommended was. him. Yeah. He's like episode three. So Chris is a good friend of ours. Chris and Drew are actually going to collaborate and paint a surfboard together with like a oh, nice. theme. So we got to get, we're going to get Matt Biolas to shape the board. And, oh, cool. Yeah. So we're going to do, Drew and I were just talking about this yesterday. Got to get that going. That was Chris's idea. And it was his idea like four or five months ago. We're finally getting around to finally getting around and getting the board, but you know, all the, all our paid commission clients come before any of the fun stuff. Unfortunately, that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. He, I saw he posted on his Facebook or Instagram that the Canadian government was making you quarantine for like 14 for a few days anyway like two thousand dollars at a hotel yes so when you go into canada right now over the border you must quarantine in a hotel you must pay for the benefit of being quarantined two thousand dollars for three days and a guard outside Ah. for 24 hours a day and that's only going to cost you 2000 per person if you test negative Mm. if you test positive you better mortgage your house you're going to need it wow how are you feeling about this pfizer vaccine are you going to be first in line or (laughs) i will um Let's see how passion. How much am I going to let my passion out on that question? <laughs> let me just take a breath. <sighs> no. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see where that goes. I know because even me, as an essential worker, it might be coming my way, and I'm still not sure how I feel about it. Really. Well, I, you know, it would be amazing if it worked and if it was safe. Yeah. It would be amazing if it only worked 50% of the time and it was safe. Heck, I might even get in line for it if it worked 25% of the time mm. and it was safe. 
Um, It's the safe part. It is not safe. And the thing that troubles me the most, um, there have been people dying from it in America. I don't know about Canada, but we have a government website here um, where people, uh, it's called VAERS, V-A-E-R-S. It's a vaccine injury reporting system. Okay. And um, I did a little research because I just wasn't sure. And I had family members who were, half of them were going to get it and the other half who happened to be in healthcare, by the way, one of them said, that's not safe. I actually have five family members that are uh, either nurses or hospital directors, like very deep into healthcare. Okay. Um, So they have a lot more insight on these things than I do. And anyway, there's just been some pretty serious red flags. And the thing that made me worry about the most is that there's a law that if you get the vaccine and you do have a very bad reaction that you can't go back to work and you have to be under medical care and go in the hospital, or if you die, you can't sue. The vaccine maker is 100% protected from you suing them. So, so if you go on GoFundMe right now, there's a number of nurses Whoa. and healthcare workers that are raising funds for their medical care because they've been severely injured and their insurance doesn't cover all of it and they can't go back to work. So that's why I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to wait like five years before I consider this so we can see how it all shakes out and let them uh, come up with a better version, a safer version of it. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you. Have you had to have a COVID test? I have not been tested, but I do suspect that I had it in April. We didn't have tests available back then. And I was very sick for a couple of weeks. Um, I actually was still able to come to work and nobody else was here. I mean, it's just me and Drew. Um, And I live with Drew, so I wasn't worried about infecting anyone. Um, And nobody was like, everything was locked down, but we were still coming to the, we have an art gallery Mm -hmm. in San Clemente and it's a working studio and, and my office. So um, I'd rather like, I work from home sometimes, but most everything I need is here. So I was still coming to work here, even when everything was shut down. Um, So anyway, long story short, I got pretty sick for two weeks, but I was still able to like work a couple hours a day, just like get bare minimum paperwork stuff done. And we didn't have testing available back then. So I didn't get tested, but I, mm-hmm. I'm really pretty sure I got it. Sounds to me like you're the cure. You need to watch yourself. They might be like kidnap you and put you in a medical lab somewhere and <laughs> extract the cure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So, Hey, as we kind of come to a close here, we're coming to the end of the show. I'm wondering what is in the future for Maria Brophy for the Brophy art gallery. What do you guys have coming down the pipe? Uh, Paint parties. We're taking a break from Oscar paint parties for now. Um, We are working on a number of different projects one that we're really excited about, and it's going to be rolled out in time for by April 20th, 
Okay. 420 and mm-hmm. before Earth Day, which is, I think, 422, where we are having a whole new website designed and we're coming out with all these new products, really cool products with Drew's art on them. They're all going to be limited. We're only going to print like 100 of each. We're going to have like rolling trays, hoodies, T-shirts, new posters that we never had before. So I'm really excited about that. Awesome new stuff come out. And okay. we're so, um, and then on my and my side hustle, I call it where I do my writing and my coaching with artists. I actually have online courses and I have a number of online courses right now that you can access at brophyartacademy.com. And I'm just finishing up a new online course teaching artists how to get mural projects, how much to charge, how to propose for a mural project. So I'm excited about that because there's a huge need for it. And painting murals is a great way for an artist to make money, part-time or full-time. So that's something I'm working on. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So when I started my brand, Freshwater Surf Goods, I was looking for artists to, you know, come up with some designs. And and I had a a little bit of that. Then I read your book. I learned all about being kind to the artists, how the artist is underpaid, how they often shoot themselves in the foot by, you know, undervaluing themselves. So a lot of that I took, I internalized for myself for making sure that I remember the value of myself and my time for whatever I'm doing. But in terms of the art, your book really instilled that in my head of being fair and equitable to the artist. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize what goes into something like somebody will say to Drew, Oh, can you draw me a logo really quick? I mean, it'll probably only take you five or 10 minutes because you're so good at this. Sure, he can scribble something on a napkin in less than 30 seconds, but it's not going to be usable for, you know, to create something usable, something really good. You've got to put in the research. You've got to, I mean, it's a lot of time. It's days of days of like researching what the company's about and, you know, all these things. So um, a lot of people, if you're not in the art world, you just don't know what goes into it even for an artist who's been doing it for 30 years you know like like now drew drew paints these surf these fine art surfboards we call them with a full painting on them they're it's only meant to hang on the wall you would never ride it and you know these surfboards we now charge anywhere from seven grand to 12 grand for them so we don't sell a lot of them but we do sell a few of them a year And I used to sell them for a lot less, but Drew put so much time into it. Just the sketch alone, he'll work on for over a week, you know, and then, and then you got to paint it. And it's, it's just, it's just time. And, and then the cost of materials and all that stuff. So I, I, people come to us all the time with great opportunities to do things, but if there's no money in it, we always say no. Yeah. Um, even if there's a promise of money later, because we have overhead, we have to pay. And, you know, I mean, if, if it's easier for an artist to say yes to those things, if they live with their mom and they don't have any bills 
because yeah, then yeah. their time isn't as valuable in their mind, yeah. you know. But if you're growing a business, every hour of your time is highly valuable. Yeah. So what is your approach to certain jobs? For example, like what if somebody said, okay, I got the surf company. I just need a Drew Brophy looking wave and slap my brand name on it. I mean, do you guys entertain those kind of things or do you only go after the stuff that, like you said, really aligns with your values? It's going to maybe add to the portfolio, be something you can be proud of. Um, we entertain all those things okay. you know, as long as it's not a company doing terrible things that we don't want to be associated with. Yeah. And that doesn't happen very often, but um, you know, like there's small companies out there um, that might want a t-shirt design and they don't have a lot of money. And let's say they, you know, they don't, they don't have the money to like commission drew to do a full illustration, which is, it's going to cost in the thousands. Yeah. Um, but they really love his art. I will give them an option. You know, I'll say, look, if you find, see a piece of art that he's already done, um, we can let you print that on your t-shirts and drop your logo on it. And it won't, you know, it'll cost in the hundreds instead of the thousands. Yeah. Okay. And I've done that with a lot of companies, like small companies that, you know, they're not doing huge volume. And that way, you know, and, and Drew likes doing things with small companies too. Like, especially because usually smaller companies are just people like us that are just trying to make a go of it yeah. and live in this lifestyle. And it's a lot of times it's a husband wife team. Um, it's people living the lifestyle. And so they're not, you know, they have a small business where there's not a ton of money, so they can't afford a ton of money. And we like to accommodate people like that because yeah. we we love people. We're people people. When I asked that question, it wasn't coming from me. But now after I asked it, I'm like, wait a minute. That is applicable You're to like, me. I got to do that. Yeah. So I'll have to talk to you about that All sometime. Right, well, yeah. We'll talk about that later. Right Maybe on. We'll, we'll work something out. Okay. Yeah, I like it. You're always talking a lot about vibration and the universe and i get all these great warm vibes from you i'm wondering like what is your belief system are you coming from some kind of yogic teachings or is there you're always you got the buddha i know you like the buddha great question i'm trying to think of the best way to answer it mm. belief system well you know i i i believe that there's an energy that flows through everything and it's okay. the same thread of energy that flows through my room, where I am right now, through my body and all the way to where you are and all the way around the world and into the cosmos and the middle of the earth. Mm -hmm. Think of it like an ocean, a liquid that you can't see, right? Mm -hmm. And it has varying levels of vibration and Low vibration is the stuff that feels icky and high vibration is the stuff that feels wonderful. And then everything in between and this flow of energy tends to cluster up. So it will bring 
clusters of people together that share a similar vibration mm. or share a similar belief system, a similar level of emotional joy or emotional unjoy. Mm. And that's why, you know, like at my old workplace, I didn't fit in. It's kind of interesting that I lasted there as long as I did because everyone there was operating on a different level than me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like oil and water. Um, and I think that this, you know, liquid energy force that we can't see, I'm just calling it liquid. It's not really liquid. It's just like how I visualize it. Yep. It, it, um, you know, when you're thinking of someone and then they call you, Yeah. that's no accident. It's like this, no this flow of energy just kind of somehow flowed from you to them. Um, And they suddenly had this bing idea in their head, like, Oh, I'm going to give my friend a call that I haven't talked to in a long time. And then there it is. So I think about the movie avatar and I don't know if you remember that movie at the end, they're all kind of like plugging their, I don't know, their, their long hair, right. They were plugging it into this sort of like hive. Um, and I often think about that when I'm walking my dog and I think about the symbolism of the leash and how it's connecting from me into my dog. And I feel that I've thought about that, that energy exchange that we're sharing that connection. And, and that's a point, that's a place where you can sort of see it physically. Um, but to take that same thought and like you're saying, apply it to the fact that we are sort of connected on an invisible in this water world that you're talking about. I love it. And you know, people that always, that are like always lucky. Yeah. Money always comes to them and they always get the best parking spot. And yeah. like, that's no accident. Mm-hmm. Those people, you will never meet a negative person who's lucky. It's just reality. You all will never meet a negative person who has great things happen to them all the time. Mm-hmm. There's a book. So I was raised in a very negative environment and I had to change my thinking. Mm. And it took years for me to flip from a very negative personality to a positive personality. And so I I studied a book by Dr. Martin Seligman called... um, Something, I forget the name of the book, but it's it it's a scientific, this guy dedicated his life to scientific studies of uh positive thinking and how it affects your life, your career, how much money you make. And he has all these studies in there, and it's so fascinating. And he said, never has there ever been a person with a negative personality type that's ever been elected president. Ooh. Ever. Wow. All the presidents. Yeah, even um, your most recent one had a huge amount of confidence. If he had anything, he had that. Right. So while, you know, and I hate to even talk about him because he triggers so many people. <laughs> so maybe his tweets were negative, but that's yeah. not what we're talking about here. We're yeah. not talking about his communication or someone's communication. We're talking about their belief system. Their belief that the things they want to happen will happen. Yeah. That doesn't mean everything they want to happen is going to happen. 
right? You can be the most positive, high vibration person in the world and bad things will still happen to you. Yep. They just won't affect you that much. Two yep. final questions for you. One of them was from my wife. She asked, where does your confidence come from, especially as a woman? At some point, as I became a little older, becoming an older woman, I got to a point where I just didn't care what people thought mm. anymore. But I was definitely not born this way. I had to overcome a lot mm. of self, a lack of self-confidence and I think the worst thing that happens to young women is being told that women have less opportunities than men, mm. because when you're told that you believe it and it takes years to undo that brainwashing. Mm. And I was brainwashed at a young age to believe that I was less than men. And it took mm. me decades to undo that. And now that it's undone, there's no going back. Yeah. And that's the song I sing all the time now. Women not only have equal opportunity, I don't care what industry you're in. I was in a man, man's world in insurance for many years, and I figured out how to use my feminine wiles to make more money than all my male counterparts mm -hmm. because I was in sales. And I think that when women know that they have the power, then they start looking for that power and they start practicing it and using it. That's when they're like, holy crap, that was a lie that mm. I was less than or that I had less opportunity. The people yeah. eating that lie want you to believe it. My, my own mother told me as a woman, you will make less money than men and you will do way less and your life is going to be harder. And I believed that for a long time. Uh -huh. My wife is an interior designer and people think that after they watch HGTV, they think that it's just people picking out, you know, wall colors. She works extremely hard. And in Europe, her position is actually called an interior architect because they're essentially doing architecture. She's got blueprints and it's really not about what color the wall is going to be. It's about how do we make this space accessible for someone in a wheelchair or how do we design this spec to match the, the customer's needs? And so I've actually, now that she's working from home, I've walked in on some of these conversations she's having with people and oh my God, it can be very disheartening. Um, listening to her talk to some of these like very macho construction type guys who really just think that they have all the answers. Well, so your wife is going to have to figure out how to speak their language mm. with confidence, how to throw it right back at them. And I promise you when she does, they will respect her greatly. Okay. I will pass that on. She, it's how she communicates. So she's got to find a new way to communicate with that personality type. I um I so we have this client who was this was years ago who was so disrespectful to me. Mm. He talked down to me like I was some stupid little woman. He was incredibly macho, he was incredibly gender racist. Um 
had no respect for women. And he gave me so much crap on the phone. Literally, I got off the phone and I couldn't, I'm not a crier. Yeah. I broke down and cried yeah. because it was so horrible, that conversation I had with him. And um, he was this older uh, man from Brazil. And it was just this cultural way that he had about him. And so I called one of my friends and I, who was a really smart businesswoman, and I told her what happened. And she said, look, Brian, when you're dealing with a guy like that, you got to talk his language. You got to set him straight, do it firmly, but still be a woman. Don't try to be a man, never be a man. Yeah. Be a woman, but speak his language. And it was so hard for me to do what she told me to do, but I did it. And I was so tough on that guy. Um, and it was amazing what happened. He never spoke down to me again. Yeah. We may, we've remained um, business. We've remained uh, having a business deal and, and relationship for years after that. Never again spoke to me like a stupid little woman. He respected me after that. Nice. So that's what your wife has to figure out how to, how to speak to those people and I'll pass that message on. Um, and Hey, when you're not selling art, when you're not surfing or doing those things, what else is Maria Brophy stoked about? Well, I'm really stoked. Um, Drew and I went, we drove to Denver, Colorado a couple weeks ago to look at property. We want to buy land mm. and we happened to drive by through this little town we had never heard of. And we fell in love with it. So we ended up not buying the land we were going to look at. Oh, okay. And now we're going to buy in this other town. It's called Pagosa Springs. It's at 7,000 feet. And I'm so excited about it because there's not, there's like acres and acres. It's just like on the town is so tiny. There's not that yeah. many people there mm. and it's beautiful. And 300 years of uh, 300 days of bright sunshine there, but they get snow in the winter and it's gorgeous mm. in the summer a river runs through town. So wow. that's what we're really excited about right now. And then uh, when we're not look, spending all day on Zillow, looking at properties, um, <laughs> just working out and going to the beach and right this life here in San Clemente, California. Awesome. This has been awesome. Thank you so much, Maria, for joining me on the Permastoke podcast. It Thank is you for having me. Yeah. I this conversation was actually really awesome. Okay. Love all the things we talked about. I hope your I hope your listeners enjoyed it. Awesome. I'm glad you say that because you know I still have that nervousness. I'm still always coaching myself. Like Derek, that was awesome. Just believe it. It was awesome. So to hear you. Yeah, you're great. You're natural. Thank you. You're good yeah. at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I started my right out of high school. I wanted to be in radio. And I got a job in radio, being the guy that went to the special events and would broadcast. I didn't work there for two weeks. And they told me, Derek, your voice doesn't work for radio. You're off the air. And the only time I could broadcast was when we were at the beach because they loved my whole surfer guy thing. But now I feel like I've taken that power back. I'm owning yep. it. I'm doing what I want. I'm on the airwaves, if that's what you want to call them. 
and and making a difference. No one else, I don't know anyone else in Canada who's doing a surf podcast, interviewing Canadian surfers and internationally. So something's working. I'm so glad you didn't let that person that told you you didn't have a voice for radio, just, you know, let them take this away from you. It's awesome that you're yeah. just doing what you want to do. And yeah. Well, I've heard Drew tell that story many times um, about how, yeah, he had an art teacher that basically was like, you need to find something else, buddy. And so hearing stories like that and then seeing how successful people are. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. Just going to listen to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Awesome. Maria Brophy, like I said, it's been great having you on here. And until next time, I want you to stay stoked. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Nice. Awesome. That is all for episode Permastoked. I hope you all enjoyed listening or watching this very special episode. Again, I want to say a big mahalo to Maria Brophy. Uh, I've been a fan for a while and following uh, her and her husband's work and just find them really inspirational and, and down to earth. And I hope that you found value, uh, whether you're an artist or not, I think Maria's outlook and some of her advice is very applicable for no matter what you're doing for a living. So anyhow, I, I hope you found as much value in her advice as I do. If you'd like to connect with Maria Brophy, you can find her online at www.mariabrophy.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Maria Brophy. Peace. give a big mahalo to Mark Malibu and the Wasagas for providing our intro music Hey Chihuahua off their 2019 album Crash Monster Beach and our outro music End of Summer off their 2017 album Return of the Wasagas. For more information visit www.wasagas.com. But of course mahalo to all you listeners out there. We are so grateful that you chose to join us for this episode and we look forward to providing you with even more awesome content in the future. More episodes are on their way, but in the meantime, make sure to go back and listen to our previous episodes. Don't miss an episode ever again by subscribing on the Alexa app, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please let us know how we're doing by leaving us a rating and review. And don't forget to share with your family and friends over social media or by spreading the word in the lineup. To learn more about Freshwater Surf Goods and to check out our products and services, visit www.freshwatersurfgoods.com. Sign up for our newsletter so you can stay up to date on new products, new episodes of Permastoked, events, our surf, sup, and yoga schedule, and other exciting news. And don't forget, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Freshwater Surf Goods. But if you're part of the surf or sup industry, or a surfaholic wanting to connect with your tribe and stay informed as to what's happening all across the Great Lakes and Canadian surf scene, then join our Facebook group, the All Canadian Surf and Sub Club. If you have an idea for collaboration, would like to recommend a future guest, 
Would like to invite me to an event or book me to teach surf, sup, or yoga? You'd like to carry our products in your store? If you or your company are interested in being a sponsor of the show, discussing an ambassadorship or a bro deal, and for anything else, hit me up on social media or email me at Derek at freshwatersurfgoods.com. That's Derek at freshwatersurfgoods.com, D-E-R-I-K. I look forward to next time and getting to know you all better. In the meantime, I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. Mahalo, freshies. Keep surfing and stay stoked.